Hello and welcome to the Awakening the Sleeping Giant podcast, a ministry of the exchange where we are improving church effectiveness through healthy church and ministry assessments, mission trip planning, and workshops on evangelism, discipleship, church structure, and strategic planning. You can find more about our ministry, the exchange, at www.madetheexchange.com. You can also email me at bethechurch.go at gmail.com. You can email me for uh, questions, or if you would like to be on the show, uh, you can email me as well, and we will schedule a time to do a recording. All right, well, I am excited for this episode, so let's get started. All right, a precursor, guys. If you hear what sounds like a wild beast in the background, our dogs are with us today, and they're fighting over toys, so you might hear a growl or two. So don't mind them. I will edit them out as I can, but I might not be able to. (laughs) So we're going to talk about uh, salvation today. We have Gary here again with us tonight, and we're going to be looking at three elements that are part of the salvation process. Scripture gives us three things um, that are necessary for salvation. This doesn't mean that those three things in and of themselves save somebody, but it, it means that these three things are necessary as evidence of somebody um, who has put their faith in Jesus. So um, that might be a little confusing, but hopefully as we read through scripture, it's going to make more sense. So I'm going to start out uh, looking at Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 37 and 38. Um, And just before these verses, Peter was sharing the gospel with uh, a group of people, and they asked him, you know, how, how could they be saved? Uh, and so verse 37 says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, this being the gospel, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Right? So they were asking, okay, like how do we be saved? How, how do we have our sins forgiven? How, what do we need to do? And this is Peter's response. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we already know that putting our faith in Jesus is a necessary um, part of having our sins forgiven. We need to trust in Jesus that what he did on the cross was pay the penalty for our sin and, and that putting our faith in him is absolutely necessary. But when we put our faith in Jesus, what Peter talks about here is going to be the natural outcome of putting your faith in Jesus. And what I mean by that, you know, and Gary might be able to help me explain it better. What I mean by that is if you truly put your faith in Jesus, repentance and baptism will take place. You can't put your faith in Jesus and not repent and not be baptized. It's just not possible because that is the fruit of putting your faith in Jesus. Does that make sense, Gary? Yeah. So there's some important things to understand. You know, first of all, I think looking at repentance, I think a lot of people have the wrong understanding of what repentance is. So if you look at repentance from an old, and actually Gary is more of an expert in this area than I am when it comes to original language. Um, But when you look at the word repent or repentance in the Old Testament, it means literally turn the other direction. 
That's what the word means. Gary, do you have a... Specifically, it means turn back to God. Um, because this was... This became... Uh, this became a part of the Shema, which is uh, the God's commandment to Israel after the or during the Exodus. Yeah. When he came down from Moses, Moses came down from the Mount with the Ten Commandments. Um, so there were tons of things that occurred there, but this was um, this was one of them, and um, this was actually established when. They were setting up the feasts and the high holy days, which is the end of our calendar year. Um, October, November, and into December. Um, but uh, yeah, there it's it's all about turning turning away from what you're doing back to God. It's about that fellowship. So, so when we look, and so what we hear so often, we hear actually a lot of pastors teach that that is what repentance is, and it's not in the New Testament. We, oh, there goes my mic. Our dog knocked it down with her tail. She's being a stinker tonight. And so actually, what I found really interesting, I did a study on repentance you know, because I, I've always heard, you know, so many pastors teach it from that, you know, Old Testament perspective of it, like, you know, turn the other way, you know, turn back to God, stop what you're doing, right? Um, and so we have to understand that that word repentance was used in correlation with the law, right? And so, you know, the Old Testament, they, they had to follow the law, you know, there's all this stuff, right? So. It essentially was saying, okay, stop doing what you're doing and follow the law. That's essentially what it was saying, right? But when you look in the New Testament, <laughs> A, the law has already been fulfilled. So repentance can't mean turn back to the law because it's already been fulfilled. And then you start looking at the definition of it using the original language. What it actually means is realizing that you're... Your life is no longer your own, and you are God's. Yeah, it's, it doesn't mean stop doing what you were doing, because yeah. that's not possible. Like, you can't fully stop. It means basically dying to yourself, being reborn, and saying, okay, I am no longer living my life for John. I am living my life for God. And now what I do, I do with the intention to serve God. And so it has a completely different meaning and context because using the Old Testament word essentially means, well, you have to stop sinning. Repent from your sin. Well, you don't repent from your sin. You do that once. You repent. You recognize that it is. Now, there's a difference between like the act of repenting versus repentance, right? And so when we look here, repent means realize that you are God's and you are no longer yours, right? That's not the same as repenting or I re, you know, I'm repenting of my sin means like I'm feeling sorry for, I'm stopping that. It's, it's a different word that's actually used. And so basically what Peter is saying here to answer the question, well, what shall we do to be saved? He says, you have got to realize that your life is no longer yours and your gods and you need to dedicate your life to God and do everything in your power and God's power to, to follow him 
That's what you need to do. And then he says, and be baptized. Okay? So notice we we hear it taught re, repent of your sins. Here we don't read that. We read repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. I find it interesting how a lot of churches leave that part out when they talk about baptism. It does not say repent for the forgiveness of your sins and be baptized. It says repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin. That's very important to understand because there's an order there. Like language is designed in a specific way for a reason. And there's a reason that it does not say repent for the forgiveness of your sins and be baptized. If it said that, we could argue that baptism could be optional because your sins are already forgiven. But that's not what it reads. It reads, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sin. So that means repentance, like repenting and baptism, are necessary for our sins to be forgiven. But those two alone do not matter if you do not put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. I think that's you know, where a lot of a lot of teaching on no grace alone is is false teaching of how they teach it. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, what has your experience been, Gary? About you get that you're saved. Jesus' own words. You're saved by faith through grace, not of works. Mm -hmm. And so you must acknowledge, if you want a modern word, um, to match the, the biblical Hebrew word of Teshuvah, um, you acknowledge your sins, you accept Jesus as your Savior, mm -hmm. um, but then you have to walk in that path, and that means, that path, excuse me, and that means you need to start dying to yourself and, and living according to Scripture. And that's where repentance and, and baptism yeah, come in. Right, and that's, you know, that's a whole different, I don't want to use the, the word wrong, but it's a whole different animal. So, so essentially, faith without repentance and baptism is not possible. Yeah, it's just, just like faith without works is not possible. Right. So we have faith without repentance and baptism is not possible, and <clears throat> repenting and baptism without faith is pointless. Exactly. Because you're, you know, there's old military humor. There are no atheists in boxers. Right. <laughs> you know, everybody screams, oh God. Mm -hmm. uh, when the shells are falling. Um, and, you know, it's okay to, it's, it's clear that that person believes at that second. But what happens after that? Yeah. You know, what are they doing? Well, it's like scripture teaches, right? It's like, even the demons believe and shudder. That's right. Right? So it's like, for us who put our faith in Jesus, 
there has to be something that's definingly and noticeably different from the demons because demons believe in Jesus. Demons know Jesus is Jesus and they're, they're afraid of him. So just because you claim you know Jesus doesn't mean diddly. There has to be something, some sort of evidence, and that evidence is repenting and baptism. And that is evidence that you truly put your faith in Jesus and you are saved. So that is not teaching that repentance and baptism saves you. Only faith saves you, but repentance and baptism will follow faith. Anybody that says they put faith in Jesus and does not repent and is not baptized does not have real faith because that is the fruit of faith. And then if you look at Mark 16, and I'm going to flip over there real quick. So this was prior to, to Acts, right? Jesus had already ascended. Come well, Acts. Just before you go there. Yeah. Um, Matthew 7, 21, 23. Uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom. Right. And that is exactly why we need all three tenets of this. Yes. You know, um, because and then he, and there he was specifically talking to the Jews. Like the Jews, like they believed in God, but they didn't you know, put their faith in Jesus. They, the, the Jews repented. Right, I, I don't think Jews baptized, did they? Well, no. Uh, but even the apostles had problems in John, because John fourteen starts out with Jesus saying, "You believe in God, believe in me. Mm -hmm. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me." And it continues on. Uh, so you can believe in God and still not be saved. Exactly. You know, it's and that's what a lot of people don't understand is. No, it's like this. This goes back to the uh, the new wine and old wineskins parable. Mm. You know, for the for the Jews specifically, because they had their way of thinking, and Jesus was the bridge. And there were there were Jews mm -hmm. even then. Clearly, the apostles um, were capable of carrying that new wine because they could make the transition from the old skins to the new skins and spread that message. Yeah. Right. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. Now, I think it's, you know, it's important for us to understand right. those little nuances because it helps us, you know, make so much more sense of the gospel, you know, and, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's so clear in scripture. It really amazes me how befuddled we've made it like it's it's super clear you know and for anybody that teaches you know that you know repentance or baptism isn't necessary to be saved doesn't understand the bible yeah. you know I, I think what they're coming from is you know maybe they've been taught you know that those save you which isn't true they get they get hung up on this faith alone thing like <clears throat> yes it is faith alone that works are not quote unquote necessary but works will be the result of right it's it's like it's like an automobile right like i have a car sitting on my driveway and it's got an engine in it and you know and all of this stuff you know and 
it it runs it, it runs right yeah. i don't need to put it in a gear and press the gas pedal for that fact to be any different the fact remains regardless if i get in the car and put it in drive and press a gas pedal or not but me knowing that isn't going to get me anywhere right. i still have to get in the car put it in gear press the gas yeah. pedal right if I'm going to move my car, yep. me knowing about those factors is completely pointless unless I just want a really pretty lawn ornament, you know? And that's what a lot of people I think have done with their faith. Oh my goodness. Yes. You know, it's like, I have a pretty lawn ornament that I call Jesus and a cross around my neck and I go to this beautiful church, but I've never actually repented, quote unquote, put my car in drive and been baptized, quote unquote, push the gas pedal. So I just have a pretty ornament in my yard, you know, and that I'm paying on every month, you know, it's like, you know, and so when you, when you understand that from that perspective, I think that's why Jesus taught in parables so much because, you know, people could understand oh, yeah. it. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you're paying the interest. Right. Put your foot on the pedal and go. Yes. I mean, even something as simple, like if you go get a can of soda, but don't open it, it's pointless to you. It still has soda in it. It It's, nothing changes about that but you don't receive the soda until you do something and and faith repentant baptism is the same thing you don't receive salvation until you pop the top right. and that is repentance and baptism you can you can have a belief in Jesus Christ without being saved but you can't have faith in Jesus right. without being saved because faith will produce belief does not produce an outcome faith does <clears throat> Well, like you said, you know, the, the demons know Jesus' name and tremble. Um, and they tremble out of fear. You know, uh, and that should say something. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it really should, because in the Old Testament, the word that's uh, almost always used when... Uh, when any angel approaches anybody is fear not or be not afraid. Mm -hmm. um, and it's Yahweh And what that, basically what that means is there's, there's two meanings there. Um, don't, it's gonna sound like I'm an idiot here. <laughs> but we're talking about the withholding of the hand of God. So don't fear the hand of God. Do not, do not fear. I'm God's messenger. Don't fear me. God's not here to make punishment on you. Whereas, like the angels that showed up at Sodom and Gomorrah and literally had to take a lot by the hand and escort him out of the city um, because... It was getting ready that whole area was going to be devastated uh, they weren't the only people they were there for that they could say do not be afraid was a lot mm -hmm. everyone else needed to be very afraid. very afraid <laughs> <laughs> like afraid to the point of confessing God and you know uh, at that at that point, it was it was it truly was a a matter of teshuva, of just repenting, but 
the city was so far gone. Mm -hmm. And we see that in our cities now. You know, I mean, we're taking a side tangent here. But we see this in every one of our cities. All these crazy things that are taking place. Uh, and it, it's all immoral. And, and people are just running. Um, and it... Once you start digging into the Bible, especially the New Testament, um, but even more so, the New Testament makes you, uh, once you know the, Lord, the Old Testament, the lore, uh, it makes it even more relevant. There's absolutely nothing said in there that contradicts anything else said in the 66 books. Not one piece. You know, and it's all woven together. Mm -hmm. There's nothing you can't, there's no way you can twist You can try to twist it, but you're taking it out of context. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's why, like, even this, like, it's not really a rabbit trail because, you know, you look at the cities today, well, how many churches are pe teaching repentance? Oh, yeah. You know, very yeah. few. So, so literally, like the chaos we're seeing in this world is an is a result of a lack of proper teaching on salvation. We have been teaching for far too long that faith and grace alone is good enough, meaning you just have to believe in Jesus and the grace covers you. Right. And there's nothing else like that has what's been taught for so long, and that is wrong. That is a false gospel yeah. it is not enough and those those souls that are lost because of that that minister will answer for them. yeah absolutely and, and that's in scripture scripture teaches yeah, right. that right like we that preach like we are hold doubly accountable actually is what it teaches yeah right and so no, you're actually <laughs> i'm saying this jokingly to try to make introduce a little bit of humor but when you're saved and you're you you repent, you're saved and you you get baptized. You don't want to become an evangelist. <laughs> you don't want to be an, an apostle. No, nope. uh, you know, you definitely do not want to be a prophet. No, you don't, because most of the time prophets get words from the Lord and they're usually warnings or rebuke, and nobody likes that. That's right. So the best you can hope for is being a minister or a teacher yes and in one of those two gifts make sure that your teaching is 100 percent in line with the bible yes which means you need to get off your butt and get in the word yeah not only just read it in english but you need to look at the translations yeah see how many times that word was used and you don't need to be a scholar i mean no, they have concordances no. out there those things are so good. i mean the strong concordance I mean, I've got a master's degree, you know, in, in religion, global studies. I never once took a language class. Yeah. I didn't need to. I have yeah. the concordance. And it, it does everything I need it to do. And so if, if I need it, like, man, if you don't have a concordance, go get one. Strong's concordance. They have multiple versions out there based on whatever Bible you use. Oh, man, they are priceless because I think a lot of people don't understand like Hebrew and Greek have words that there's no English translation for. That's right. So we've had to, you know, use our closest word, which is a problem we use with belief, mm -hmm. right? You know, belief is used interchangeably 
you know, um, it's great. Like, but it's the same word in Greek. Faith and belief are the exact same word, but we use them interchangeably as kind of two separate meanings, and that's not the case. Right. You know, and so in English, I'm saying. And that's how you, in accordance with Second uh, Timothy two fifteen, that's how you rightly divide the word mm -hmm. of truth by knowing the original language and, and looking at it and saying, okay, well, this is what they really meant. So you don't have a preacher that stands up there and says, oh, well, this is the way. There, uh, I just just saw this, and my jaw just fell mm. wide open. Uh, prominent person, very prominent. I can say their name. And don't do it. I'm not going to. <laughs> but I'm just saying. You, you exactly we don't call it. people out here. That's not what we do. We don't call people out. <clears throat> um, if we do, it was totally by accident. On live TV, there are many ways to Jesus. Really? Hmm. Which isn't true, by the way. That's crazy. It's like, how, how do you interpret John 14, 7? I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. And I think that's, you know... That's where I think we've gone so I said, astray. I said, I said Jesus is God, but right, right. I think that's where we've gotten so astray, though, with the church. Is I think the reason why there's so many people that are confused about what the Bible says is because there's been way too many professional Christians that have made it say what they want it to say. Uh -huh. you no, know, you know, Francis Chan said something that I just absolutely love. He said. The more mature I become, the more I'm beginning to realize that the Bible is more literal than not. And, and if we, guys, God gave us the Bible the way it is, which means every single human being, regardless of their education level, can understand what this means. That means it means what it means. You don't need Greek to understand it. Yeah. It helps you understand it deeper, right? You don't need a concordance to get it. It helps you understand it deeper. But the, the basic founding principles of the Christian faith, a, any, anybody that can read and understand what they're reading can read the Bible and know what it means because it means exactly what it says. And all, and I would say ninety percent of the Bible, and the other ten percent, it makes clear that it's a parable, or that it's it's a story, like it tells you, or it's a dream, like like the Bible is very good at saying, "Hold on, this is a dream. Hold on, this is a parable." Like it tells you when it's not literal. So if the Bible doesn't tell you that it's not literal it's literal and that is not and that's not what some people call a literalist a literalist is somebody who believes everything in the bible is literal and that's not that's not the case the principle is literal right and, and so you you need to understand those types of things you know and and i think there's there's been a and and again don't want to go down another tangent you no know, but there has been a huge issue in the church 
when it comes to feminism and sexism, like, guys, the scripture is very clear. And some of you may never listen to my podcast again after this, and you might you know, send me hate mail. The Bible is very clear that elders cannot be women. It's very clear. That does not mean women can't participate and, and serve and do ministry. But it's very clear that elders cannot be women. Super clear. Like, you don't need to interpret that. You don't need to try to figure out what it means. A, a husband of one wife does not mean a wife of one husband. It means a husband of one wife. And that doesn't mean women are less and men are more. It just means that is how God has structured the bride to function. And no wonder the church is falling apart when we're worried about, you know, oh, well, there are enough women in these roles. They don't belong in those roles. God has designed women to do other roles in the church. I am not a person who believes that women don't believe in, or women don't belong teaching. or I do believe they do in context. Right, and that's taught in scripture, it's very clear. But when you start viewing, when you start thinking you can interpret scripture however you want to, that's where the problem begins. And women are just as powerful in ministry as men, but they play a different role. And men are just, just like as, in life, just like in life, just like it's it's just it's no different. Like, you don't need to be upset about that. Like, that's one thing I don't understand. Like, like stop freaking being upset and be proud of who you are and step in. Why do you want to be like other people so much? Like, wh why are women so concerned about being equal with men? Don't you like being unique? I do. I don't want to be like a woman. Not because I don't like women. In fact, I think women can do a lot of really great things that I can't do. But I don't want to be one because I'm proud of being a man because I've been created this way. Right. And women, you need to be proud of who you are, of how God's made you, because you have been designed to do things men weren't meant to do. And you should be proud of that. That's not a sexist. That is how God created the functioning world. I don't understand it. Since when is equality a good thing? I'll tell you what. I do not want everybody to be like me. I do not want everyone to be like you, Gary. I don't want everyone to be like my wife. Like, like, I don't want every black person to be like a white person or white person to be like a black person. Their cultures are amazing. Like, I, like everybody, like, leave them alone. Leave, like, just stop. Like, it is okay being different. And, like, learn to love other people because of who they are and their culture. Stop trying to change them. Stop trying to want to be equal, right? No, having equal rights as a human being is not the same thing. That's right. Like that's a different topic, but like let, let, let's be proud of who we are and be specific too, you know, because the Bible speaks of that. What civil rights are? It doesn't label them as civil rights, mm -hmm. but talks about master and slave. Mm -hmm. You know, and what a master should do and what a master shouldn't do, and what the slave should do, a servant. Should do. Yeah, and in scripture, like for those of you who aren't aren't listening, right, when you when you read like slave or servant, you know, in scripture, it's like it's translated that way because that's the word that's used, but it was much more of an employee boss role. Yeah. It, it you know the the masters yes, the masters cared 
you know, for their servants. You know, the servants loved working for their masters. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, a slave like you think of, you know, that we were dealing with here in the United States right. and elsewhere. It's not that type of, it's not slavery. Right. And so it's a different word. So don't confuse that. You know, a lot of people say, oh, the Bible, you know, you know promotes slavery. No, it doesn't. You, you need to understand what, what that means. And again, that's why a concordance is important. It helps you understand. Right. But why, why isn't a concordance needed to understand that? Because slavery goes against the character of God. So you know slavery wasn't something that God intended, because right? Because it demeans man. Right. It so God's creation. Yeah, so you know that that word can't mean that. Right. You know, and so that's it's important. Like, if you know the character of God, if you're interpreting something in a way that is demeaning to man, you know you're interpreting it wrong. Because, you know, so that's just a little yep. Bible study well, lesson. Well, just to go right along with that, right now somebody's ear to burn because they're... I can smell smoke. <laughs> they're um, they're saying, "Oh, wait a minute! God killed civilizations." Yeah, there's a reason because they sacrificed their babies to demons because they were immoral. Uh, they were homosexual. You know, they tried to enslave Israel. Well, and why did God things. ultimately? Why did God destroy nations? Because he's a just God. He's just. That's right. He is a judge and he is just. And he has every right to destroy whatever he wants to. But we're his creation. Yeah. We are his creation. You know, and from the get-go, mm -hmm. Satan tried to do everything. I mean, from even the Garden of Eden, but after that, um, with the fallen angels. Mm -hmm. the, the fallen angels. The whole operative word there, Nephilim, is uh, the fallen angels. Who was their master? It was Satan. And what did they do? They took men, or they took wives of many as men that they chose. Uh, excuse me, I didn't say that right. <laughs> they took they took wives of man as many as they chose, and. Um, what happened to the offspring of these? Well, the offspring was men of renown. Well, that, that's actually a very correct translation of the word that, that was used there. This wasn't, uh, well, that's another rabbit hole. But just be known that the, these were how you got, for lack of a better word, the Greek demigods. You know, you got a fallen angel breeding with a human, and a fallen angel um, only has two characteristics. They have a body and a spirit. They do not have a soul. Mm. What do humans have? We have a body, we have a spirit, and we have a soul. And when we mate with another human, we create this precious little entity that has to be cherished, it has to be raised correctly, it has to be, as uh, as it says in Deuteronomy, you know, you shall teach your children these laws. Mm -hmm. um, you have to be, these children have to be nourished mm -hmm. under the word of God. And um, you, well, I, 
This is what happens when you're unscripted. <laughs> you know, there's just so many things you can... You can That's what's great about editing. You can just wait for the pause and oh, delete it. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, but you can... You know, there's just so many things that make the entire Bible unique and make the entire experience being a Christian unique. And I love it because, like, you know, something that I... You know, I always, especially like when I'm discipling somebody one on one, you know, is like the the Bible needs to be read like universally, meaning it all goes together. Yep. You know, it, it's like it, it it's all one big story. Now, you can't take you know a small piece of scripture and teach on that as truth without using other scriptures. That's right. You know, and, and I think the gospel is a perfect example because if we could. There's all kinds of ways to be saved. But when you understand that the Bible is universal, meaning it all works together, yep. right? You know, you know, somebody somebody will say, you know, I had a good friend of mine say it was like, you no, know, well, the Bible says that, you know, that anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord is is saved, you know. And I said, Yes, it does say that, but then how do you explain Mark 16? You know, which I was gonna read oh, here in a yeah. second. So how do, then how do you explain Mark 16? <clears throat> Where Jesus, this is Jesus, if anybody has any authority on baptism, it would be Jesus. Jesus, the, the, the God we worship, guys. This is him saying this. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. So why doesn't he say whoever is not believed or baptized? Because you can't believe and not be baptized. Believe meaning faith, right? Jesus Christ himself said that belief or faith in him is necessary and so is baptism. This is Jesus, right? But it says nothing about repentance there. So you can say, well, see, look at repentance isn't necessary. No, it, no, that's wrong because Peter talks about repentance. I think there's a, I think God has a strategy there. He didn't put it all in one location for a purpose because you need to understand the whole gospel. And when you understand the whole gospel, you realize that belief or faith, you know, same word, faith in Jesus, repentance in Jesus, and baptism in Jesus are all absolutely necessary to be saved. You cannot believe, like I said, in, in, so anybody said, well, so the Bible says those who put, you know, call upon the Lord will be saved. Yeah, but that's not all it says. It does say that, but you're taking that out of context. It's not all it says. Right. Like you have to look at, well, where else in scripture do we like, okay, well, there's only three things that are talked about. Faith, baptism, and repentance. Every single time you, you like, and so you have to look at the Bible as one whole story, not take whatever, you know, because, you know, of course, like an evangelist that believes that anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved and that's it. Man, is that an easy message to preach? Well, no wonder they're having 60,000 people come to Jesus because you're just telling them that all they got to do is, you know, call upon the name of the Lord and they're saved. You're lying to them. You're literally sending people to hell because you're telling them that just call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. That is not what the Bible teaches. Right. It teaches that that's part of it. But stop lying to people. Like, I am sorry if I, I'm I'm sorry for all of my fellow evangelists out there. 
that are out there around the world doing ministry. But if every time you go to minister and 30, 40, 50, 60,000 people are coming forward and putting their faith in Jesus, you're doing something wrong. Or we would have a totally different world. I'm sorry, that many people cannot come to Jesus at one event legitimately in that country not be changed. I'm just, sorry. Just look at Acts 2. How many people were saved in Peter's message? 3,000. 3,000. That was it. And everything not, changed. Not 30,000. No. Just 3,000. Well, and, but even that, like when those 3,000 were saved, like it changed. Everything changed. Everything changed. So, man, for the love of God, please stop promoting that you have led 60,000 people to Jesus. No, you That's didn't. Right. I promise That's you, right. you didn't. Because right. if you did, that country would be radically different. The gospel, we would be persecuted right now if that was taking place. Because these countries would be in chaos because the gospel would be everywhere. Calling upon the name of Jesus does not save you. It is necessary. But there's more to it than that. And, 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 and we are lying if we are not preaching the whole truth for the sake of getting recognition or numbers. There is a cost to following Jesus, and that cost is repentance. Because you're dying to yourself, you are, you are intentionally choosing to live your life for God and put everything else aside. And when you go into a foreign country and that is not being taught, they are not putting their foreign gods aside. They're just adding Jesus on the mantle as yeah. another God they worship. They are not saved. That's right. They are not saved. That's and right. you can hate me if you want to, if you hear this and disagree with me. They are not saved. Jesus is the only way, meaning there is no other God. You cannot worship idols. That means there's no other God. That means if you are an evangelist, please preach faith, repentance, and baptism. And put an immediate expected response on that. Because if baptism is necessary, why wait? That's one thing I don't understand. Like, like, well, I do understand the reason they do it. The only reason churches have baptism every six months is because they're not saving people. Yeah, it, baptism should be, if the church is doing its job, it should be more, done more often than your average communion. Oh, it's just so frequently. Like anytime somebody comes to Jesus, three times a month. And this is and this is actually what kind of drove me to want to talk about this tonight is you know, some questions that a good friend of mine had. You know, he you know, he he's a he's mature in his like own personal faith, um, but he still has like a lot of growing and understanding like some of the, the other stuff. So he asked me a question today. He's like, Hey, he's like, you know, so because I shared a video this morning on, on the gifts or yesterday on the gifts, I don't remember. He says, Yeah, about the gifts. You know, he's like, I was I was wondering about that. He's like no, what happens like if I lead somebody to Jesus, like, like, like who baptizes? Like, do I baptize? And I'm like, yes. If you lead somebody to Jesus, I don't care how mature you are. If you lead somebody to Jesus, it is your responsibility to baptize that person right. because baptism is necessary for salvation because that is evidence of faith. Like they should want to be baptized. Like if they come to Jesus, baptism is just a natural reaction. So I don't care how mature you are. Pastors, go ahead and hate me. I don't care how mature you are. If you lead somebody to Jesus, find a body of water. If there's no 
body of water, find a water bottle and dump it over their head. I've done it before. Like, yes. baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And here's why. Here's why. Not only for their salvation, right? But let's look. Sorry, I'm getting a little worked up. I'm getting excited about this. I'm working up to our evangelism event that we're putting on in <laughs> July. And I'm like, yes! Okay, so look at this. Okay, so not only is it necessary for salvation. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that means you will not receive the gift of the Holy Spirit if you do not repent and you are not baptized. Right. So for everybody out there teaching that baptism is a symbol, you're lying. Something spiritual happens at baptism, and it is the receiving of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Stop teaching that baptism is a symbol. No, it's not. An actual physical spiritual event takes place at baptism. If it was a symbol, you would not have all of the testimonies that you have from people of how they feel after they're baptized. Because a symbol doesn't produce that. The Spirit does. The Spirit is only given upon baptism. It is important. So if you've not been baptized, you do not have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You don't. And yell at me all you want to. It's the Bible says, the Bible teaches that. If you have not been baptized as a believer, that means if you've been baptized as a child, they don't count. If you have not been baptized as a believer, you do not have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Go find somebody right now that you know that's a believer and demand to be baptized. I promise you your life will be different. We have got to stop teaching partial truths. We've got to stop teaching what's convenient we have to stop teaching what is cultural you know i'm we live in west michigan man the gift of the holy spirit is not cultural here i don't care it's a gift of the holy spirit you need to baptize these people if you grew up in the reformed church i promise you you probably do not have the gift of the holy spirit because they don't baptize adults go get baptized go get baptized you will receive the gift of the holy spirit Putting fingers on a baby's head when they're one years old or six months old is not baptism. That is not not baptism. That's not sealing anybody. That's not protecting that child. If you want to know how a child is saved, the Bible teaches it. It's through their believing parents. And yes, that means a child that does not have believing parents will end up in hell. Yes, you heard me correct. It's very true. Does that piss you off? Or does that motivate you to share the gospel? It should motivate you to share the gospel. Stop using those excuses as reasons to change the gospel. A baby will burn in hell if they have unbelieving parents. Go preach the gospel. Lead their parents to Jesus and that baby saved. Period. The Bible teaches that. Come on. We have to stop teaching these false truths because they're hard to hear. I don't like that. Like, but when you think like God is holy, like it, like it doesn't matter. It's just like, it's the same thing with people. You know, it was like, well, what about those nations who've never had the chance, you know, to hear the gospel? Are they going to hell? Yes, absolutely. Well, that's not fair. You're right. It's not. We shouldn't have sinned against the father. That's right. 
we got what we deserve. If it makes you mad, go evangelize those nations. Because there's two things that need to happen for Christ to return. One, the church needs to be unified. And two, all nations need to be reached for Jesus. So rather than sitting behind your computer or your car or your phone and getting upset at me right now for what I'm saying, that people are going to burn in hell because they don't have a chance to hear about Jesus, stop being selfish and wandering in your emotions and go preach the gospel. Go find a country that they don't know about Jesus and go, or are you too scared? Are you afraid to die or do you not know the gospel? Stop being offended by everything. Stop being offended by the truth and go preach the gospel. If you're so concerned about people burning in hell because they never had the chance to know about Jesus, go share Jesus with them. I, I don't know what else to say because it doesn't make sense for them to be saved because if they were saved, I am better off never preaching the gospel to anybody because then they'd go to heaven. Well, isn't that stupid? It's completely contradictory to the scripture. And, and I wonder why we get all worked up. I think we get worked up because we're selfish. Because when we realize that it's our responsibility, now we're forced to do something about it. Yeah. Or Great not. Excuses. <laughs> yeah, we use excuses. Yeah. And we can't do that. It is our responsibility, church, mm -hmm. to go preach the gospel. To go make disciples of all nations. That's a command to you. I don't care how mature you are. That is a command to go preach the gospel to all nations. Go make disciples of all nations. And I'll give you just a, just a very brief, and this is not testimony to me. This is testimony to God. I've had AFib for 10 years. And I have literally had my device go off while I was playing guitar in a, in a praise band. And I kept right on playing. Mm. I have been preaching and have my device go off and me drop to my knees and have somebody in the back realize what was going on. I didn't stop preaching. They came up and helped me stand back up. And I never stopped. And that's happened multiple times. And that's what God does for you. The Satan will try to... He will try to take you out. He'll try, you know. And we need more testimonies like that. You know, I think we've gotten to the point where, like, people are afraid to be like Paul, right? Paul, this is what Paul said. Like, if I'm going to brag about anything, I'm going to brag about how sucky my life has been since I followed Jesus, <laughs> right? And so for all of you sitting out there who say, well, John, it's easy for you to say because you're sitting behind a microphone. I will tell you what, no, no, in the past three years, I have been fired from a job because of my faith, and I, it was expressively shared to me that was why, and I chose not to sue because that is a price that I am willingly choosing as a believer. Right. I expect it. I've been fired from a job. I was offered a, a, a very well-paying job, which I also refused because a church did not know where they stood on a certain belief. 
how can you work for a church that doesn't know where they stand on a belief? I mean, why are you a church to begin with then? I, in, in the past, I, I've lost upwards of a half dozen jobs because of my faith. I'm not someone sitting behind you saying, oh, it's easy. No, like, I I don't care. Right. Like, literally, I don't care what you think. That's it. Like, and, and if you have the truth and you know it, that's how you feel. That's why Jesus could be as bold as he was. Not because he was God, because he he he, he willingly let go of, like, that aspect of who he was. That's right. He could be as bold and do what he did because he knew what he had was the truth. And nobody could tell him otherwise. Right. <clears throat> and when you believe the gospel that much, you literally don't care what people do to you. And and, and it's like I've well, had he did all that, knowing what they were gonna do. Yes, knowing, knowingly. No. So don't be sitting there and be like, oh, you know, you you're just saying this. No, like I've experienced it, and I'm not again like Gary said. This isn't something about oh, John, this. No, like no, like no, no. I've personally like, seen a couple like, of things John's been through. That's the price I have willingly paid, and I'm still going through it right now. We're in the midst of it right now. And, and and my wife, same thing. She's looking for work right now. And because of a particular faith belief, she is very limited in the jobs that are available in her profession. Now, she could choose to, you know, she could choose to, do this particular thing that is required i mean is it gonna like ruin her faith no but it's against what she believes and she is not willing to compromise that that's right and so we're we're struggling financially we are struggling but we're okay with that because <clears throat> we're willingly choosing to do this because we know that's the price to pay and it's okay and we need more people telling these stories because yeah. How, how how is anybody ever going to know like their struggle is normal if we don't talk about it? That's right. It, it's not prideful. It's not arrogance. Anybody that tells their testimony about what they're going through because they're serving Jesus, please stop saying they're arrogant. No. Like, it's normal. It's, persecution is supposed to be normal for the Christian. We are supposed to experience hardships and trials. James tells us, count all trials as pure joy. Well, how are we supposed to count all trials as pure joy if nobody's ever talking about their trials? Then we're going to be thinking we're the only ones going through it. No, like we need to talk about these things. It's hard. It is hard. I, I know people right now that their identity is literally hidden because there are countries looking for them. Yeah. Because they take trips and go share the gospel. Like they're literally living in the United States under a false identity, so they can't be found because of the gospel. I mean, and these are people I know personally. Like I've spent time with these people. Like it, like we need to hear more stories like that because I promise you it's gonna happen here. I promise you it's gonna happen in the United States. It's going to get to, it's already started. I just saw something, I just saw something the other day. Um, where was it? That they're starting to imprison people for for talking about Jesus. Well, they, was it Russia? No, Where was it? Just it? Toronto. They arrested that kid that a couple of months ago. They arrested that preacher. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, this is 
if you don't if you don't believe anything else that it won't happen here in the United States, just take a look at Canada mm -hmm. and what's happening inside Canada. It is unreal. Nothing like what it was five years ago. Mm. That entire country. And we're running right headlong, right down that path. If you don't believe that, then you need to start paying. <laughs> if you don't believe it, just start preaching the gospel and you'll experience oh, you it go. really oh, quick. Go. Real fast. Real fast. Real I fast. promise you, the world will attack you mm -hmm. when you start preaching the truth. Yep. Like, the world's okay with the gospel as long as you don't preach the whole thing. That's right. You start preaching the whole thing, that's when they get mad. Well, once you, you know, you, if you if you preach the gospel, then you must, uh, you must evangelize ESG, equality, and I don't even remember what the other two things are. Uh, oh, the, like, uh, um, the equality and the, um, diversity stuff. Yeah, the, all the diversity stuff. And, you know, and that right there, that's, that's what a Christian should do. The mental attitude that I've got that I can't even say what the <laughs> what the letters are, that's exactly what you should do. Because it don't mean nothing. It means nothing to your salvation. It means nothing to you being a servant to God and following the steps of Jesus. Nothing to your ministry. Nothing. For me to die is to gain. To live is for Christ. And, and I think that's important too, like for so many people to understand, like just because like just because Christians don't support LGBTQ you no know, or this no you no know, no the equity and the, the all this stuff, just because we don't support that doesn't mean we don't love those people. That's right. Like that's right. you know, like we do. But just because we love people doesn't mean we can accept whatever they do. And and if you think I'm wrong, well, you're proving your own point. If you think you're wrong, you're proving my point. Let somebody kill your child, <laughs> and then at their trial, you beg the judge for uh, what's that called manumission. You beg the judge to let him go. When you can do that, then you can come talk to us about it. <laughs> uh, it's even just a simple fact. Like, if you're disagreeing with me right now, you are proving my point. Exactly. So, so you're you're stuck in a catch twenty two. If you disagree with me, you're proving my point, and if you agree with me, you're proving my point. I don't have I don't have to agree with you to love you. Sure. I don't have to accept the life that you choose to live it, to love you i i love it shouldn't even be a consideration no it shouldn't it has no bearing none whatsoever like i i i i absolutely love you and i don't say you need to change because i want you to change it's because it's what's beneficial for you it's what's best for you it's you know it's like when just like anything, like if I'm doing something stupid and Gary's like, hey, John, you probably shouldn't jump off that roof. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? Like, try to convince him, like, Blair or Gary, because you love me, you should just let me jump off the roof. Like, no, like, that's so silly. But that's what people do. Like, 
because you love me, you should accept me. Like, the entire LBTQ right. alphabet soup. And it's like, no, it's not accept me. Oops. I accept you, yeah. but I don't accept the identity that you've chosen. That There's a difference there. And again, if you disagree with me, you're proving my point. Because you're not liking me because of my stance. Well, right. well I can't. You can have a different belief than me, but I can't have a different belief than you. I mean, that's just counterintuitive, right? Like, like that a society can't function like that. Anyway, we got way off track. Um, so I hope it was good though. It, it was good, and I hope the gospel got preached, and I hope you guys understood. I hope some of you guys got upset and think about it. Um, but again, if you got upset, there's nothing that we said tonight that's not in scripture. So if you got upset at me, praise the Lord. That means you have room to grow. That means there's lots of things you can learn. Praise the Lord. That's right. And praise the Lord, that means I'm doing my job, which isn't always fun, which I think some people think I think is fun sometimes. But it's really not all that fun. Like, you know, I've gotten over the people pleasing thing, but I still do like people liking me. Like, I don't I don't want everybody, you know. No, I don't want everybody to hate me, you know, but I'm okay if you do, but you know, I'd rather have you like me, you know? And so it's like, if you're upset, well, why are you upset? What are you so upset about? Because I have not, and, and this is the, the God's honest truth. I have never talked to anybody that believes the same thing I believe and has gotten upset at anything I've said. No matter how I've said it. Yeah. They may have been like, oh, dude, you probably shouldn't have said that way because you probably made some people mad. But I liked it, man. It was good. <laughs> right? I, no one's ever said, oh, my gosh. Like, that's absolutely horrible. Like, you hurt my feelings. I've never heard that from somebody who actually believes the truth. Because you won't. If you believe the truth, you're going to love it no matter how it's said. You know? And like, I don't mean to make people upset. I don't mean to, like, I, I'm just like, no, it's the truth. Like, believe it. You know, and like, I, I'm sorry if if y'all liberals can get upset and go furious about what y'all believe in. I don't see your problem with Christians getting passionate and fired up about Jesus. Amen. Because we have a message that can save your soul. And you have one that's leading you to hell. So let us help you. Why is it okay for you to be passionate about garbage, but it's not okay for us to be passionate about truth? Why am I viewed as this mean and sensitive person because I'm talking about Jesus when you're viewed as, well, this is how we should talk to get everybody. It doesn't make any sense. Like, come on. Let's just think logically for a second. Anyway, good night, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Awakening the Sleeping Giant podcast. Don't forget, you can contact me anytime by emailing me at bethechurch.go at gmail.com. You can also learn more about our ministry, The Exchange, by going to our website, www.madetheexchange.com. And if you have not already, don't forget to like and follow this podcast, as well as share it with your friends. Now go out and awaken the sleeping giant. <laughs>